Thanks, guys. Let's open up with a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we just uh, come before you this morning. And we, we thank you for your never-ending grace, and we thank you for your never-ending mercies. Uh, Father, there are times when we stop and we question and we ask, you know, why is it that you love us? Why is it that you put up with us? And all we can do is, is just be thankful. We know that we're not a perfect people. We know we, we have issues and we struggle through them. But God, thank you for the fact that you're always there. You never give up on us. And that you're always there waiting for us with open arms. We thank you for second chances. Father, we just ask that you be with those that aren't here with us today. Father, whether they be traveling or whether they be sick. Whatever the circumstances in life that they're going through, we just ask that you'd be with them. And ask that uh, you would speak to our hearts now. That we know that you're here with us, among us. And that we'd be open and receptive to the word that you would give. Thank you for all you do and forgive us when we fail you. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Whoops. I've opened my eyes and I'm facing the other direction.
apologize. Good morning. How are y'all? Outstanding. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Bye, children. I, they, I was going to say something. I really was. But they just left without me. They know. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, it is, it's good to see everybody this morning. I wanted to talk to you this morning about, uh, it's kind of a tough subject. It's, it's a subject that nobody really likes to talk about. Uh, nobody likes the subject of, of discipline. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. That's a, it's an ill-favored word. Why'd you do that to her? <laughs> when, I don't, I don't know, I, hopefully everybody kind of keeps up with the news. There's a lot of things that have been going on this week. A lot of things that happened yesterday uh, over the last couple of days. I, I don't know what in the world's going on in California, but I mean, they're just kind of kind of going off the Richter scale out there with some, some things. Um, I, I wish I could say it'd be nice that, you know, we'd hear the morning news and it'd be something good for once, you know, but news is what news is and, you know, it's always going to be bad stuff. But we, uh, I'm sure everybody's aware of the fact that, uh, that we had a couple of shootings uh, in our schools this week. Uh, we had uh, one incident earlier in the week that happened in Nevada and then we had another incident. Uh, and that one was not a shooting, but um, it was a box knife incident up in Massachusetts. And this is a subject. Uh, this is a subject that's kind of been hot and heavy for for law enforcement, especially when it comes to smaller communities, when it comes to small rural areas, that they don't have the resources uh, that the that the larger communities have. And this is kind of a kind of a tough deal for us. And I sat and met earlier this week with a, with a gentleman that. Uh, uh, kind of helps put these things together, and, and um, he organizes all these things, and he looks at the plans that the school systems have and, and things of this nature. And um, we were talking about, you know, just just everything, we're talking about response times. We're talking about the training that's involved. We're talking about the responsibilities that, that fall back onto the administrative system at the schools as well as the teachers, and one of the things that kind of bothered me about it as we were talking about that is that everything continues to escalate. You know, we, we're, moving into, we're moving into a generation where, where we're going to kind of have to expect our teachers to, to not only teach, but we, we have to be able to teach them to, to be able to recognize indicators from their, from their students. You know, we, they, have to be, uh, they have to be counselors. You know, they ha- you know, not only do they have to be counselors, but if something happens, now they're going to have to be taught to take action. And I don't know if you've ever been in, a, in, in that kind of a situation or not, but there's this thing that's called flight or fight. Everybody has it. And what it is is that you get put into uh, 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 an aggressive situation and the human reaction goes one or two ways. You either fight or you flee. And so this is something that everybody in law enforcement and everybody in the military, this is stuff that we, they train us to, to overcome this because our natural reaction is, is really to, I'm out of here. But in those situations, you can't. And you have to be able to overcome that 
flight, flight feeling. You got to overcome that and you got to be able to step up and move and act despite your normal reaction. Now, the thing of it is, the folks in law enforcement and the folks in the, in the military, you know, they are trained for this. Hours and hours and hours. And they go through scenario after scenario after scenario so that when something like that happens, they fall back on what their training is. Because that's a normal, natural human reaction. We fall back on what we learn. Well, now all of a sudden, though, we're getting into a situation because most of these incidents, I don't know if you realize it or not, most of these incidents take place and they're over with in a matter of minutes. In fact, the average is 10 minutes at the tops. Now, you've got to stop and you've got to think about that for a moment. 10 minutes. And especially in the little bitty rural communities, you know, where our response time is, is the highway patrol, you're looking at a anywhere from a 20 to 30 minute, maybe 40 minute response time from us. Because as much as we'd like to be there, we're probably out in the stick somewhere and it's going to take us a little bit to get there, no matter how fast we fly down the road. And the problem is, by the time we get there, it's done. That opens up a whole new can of worms. Well, how do you resolve that? Well, you've got to have somebody that's in place to be able to respond to that. And, and really what it's getting to is that we're, we're getting to a point to where we're going to ask our teachers to be able to do that. And you've got to stop and you've got to think about that for just a moment. So now they're teachers. And now they're looking for indicators, which means they have to be able to psychoanalyze. They've got to be able to cancel. Some of these teachers, some of these classes got 50 students. And then on top of that, we're going to ask them to be able to react to stuff. And they're going to have to go through the same type of training that we go through. Things begin to escalate, and they begin to escalate, and they begin to escalate. The problem with escalation is, well, you can look at the Russians. Remember the 80s? You remember that nuclear arms race? The older guys in here, we, we can remember this stuff, the guys who grew up with it. You all remember what happened to the Ruskies? They kept building, they kept building, they kept building, they kept building, and then what happened to them? It's okay, I'm not going to shoot anybody. What happened to the Ruskies? They went, <laughs> they blew up, didn't they? Their, their entire economy, their country literally fell apart. Why? Because they kept escalating, they kept escalating, they kept escalating until finally just the, the top just blew off the thing. And it's taken them how many years to crawl out of that hole? And the weird thing is Putin's trying to get them back to where they were. But how many years has it taken them to get out of that hole? It all started when the wall fell down. When did the wall fall down? 89. And it's taken them from then, from 89, until just recently, the last couple of years, for them to get back up to where they were. And they're not even close to where they were. Well, there's a lesson in that. And that's what happens when you escalate things. If you continue to escalate, and you continue to escalate, and you continue to escalate, eventually it's just going to blow up in your face. 
Well, then, if you look at it from that standpoint, you've got to ask yourself, okay, well, how do we fix this problem? And really what it comes down to is it comes down to us as parents. We have to take the responsibility of parents of raising our children. And not just raising our children, but disciplining our children. And I know that's a harsh word. And there is a fine line between discipline and abuse. And I know in the current age that we live in, you know, people flip out if you raise a finger against a child. But I hate to tell you this, folks. We have to follow the example that has been set for us. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, about verses 5 through about verse 15, it talks about God's discipline towards us. And what's important about that is because that is a picture of how we are to be disciplining our children. Because when God disciplines us, it's harsh. And it's no fun. And it hurts. And I've been hit. I, listen, I, I have not graduated from anything except that I am a current student in the School of Hard Knocks. And I'm here to tell you I've got a lot of lumps on my head from two-by-fours and bricks and whatever else that God has thrown my direction because I am a stubborn individual. And I, will, unfortunately, will continue to be so. But it's in that discipline process that God is using that he's shaping and creating me, making me what it is that he wants me to be. And if he's got to drag me through the mud to do it, he will. And the same is true with you. Now, the thing of it is, is that there's kind of a two-side thing here. Because as God disciplines us, you know, I don't know, did, does anybody, did anybody, you know, when they had their first child, did they get a little book that came in the mail from, from the publisher clearinghouse that said baby manual on it? Did anybody get one of those? Because I didn't. I mean, it's tough. When my daughter was born, I, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I had to go somewhere. And so I, the only place I could go was to God. Because I figured God probably had it all right. And it's the same for all of us. And the bottom line is, if we're going to make a change in our society, we've got to make changes at home. And that means changes with our children. And that means, guys, I'm sorry, we've got to act like parents. And sometimes parents do things that hurts. There have been times when I disciplined my children, and I, I remember thinking, probably last week, I remember thinking... Oh, man, I don't want to do this. This is going to hurt. And I know it's going to hurt. But I had to do it. Because I love my child. And the bottom line is, I want my child to be better than I am. And not that I wrote the book on this. And not that I have the answers. But I want my children to be better than me. Just like when God disciplines us. There's a reason that he's doing it. 
And if God does it to us, then we need to do it to our children. Because if we don't do it to our children, then we're basically telling our children, whether you want to agree with this or not, if you don't discipline your child, you're basically telling your child that you don't care. And that you don't love your child. And I know that sounds harsh, but that is the truth. And guys, if we're going to make a difference in this society, if we're going to make a difference in this world, then we need to step up to the plate. And we need to be involved, and, and I mean be involved, with the raising of our children. And that means communicating with them. That means asking them questions. And that means passing on what God has passed to us so that we can pass it to them, so that they can pass it to their children. Because we're not talking about just our children. We're talking about their children as well. And their children. It's all part of the puzzle, folks. And if you want to know, if you want to know what happens when you take God out of a generation, go back and look at the entire book of Judges. Because that is all that is. You got one generation that's focused on God, and then all of a sudden the next generation comes by, and they start slipping the wheel a little bit. And then the next generation comes by, and they're kind of confused because the first generation ahead of them kind of slid around. And then you get the next generation that comes, and they are just out and out, blambasted, lost as a goose. And God lays the hammer on them. Now, I don't know about you, but I've felt the hammer of God enough. I'd rather not feel the hammer of God, thank you. I'd rather just go ahead and just slide in where I'm supposed to be and just kind of march down that road. I don't like hammers. They hurt. Maybe you're different. I don't know. And I also know that we don't have perfect families. Guys, I'm aware of this. I'm aware that husbands and wives divorce. I'm aware that we <laughs> marriage is no longer even looked at not only is it not looked at as, as a sacred thing, marriage is not even looked at as an acceptable thing anymore. I'm aware of this. I'm aware that, that we have parents, one-parent situations, and I'm aware that we have no-parent situations. I'm aware that I can go right over here to the San Jacinto community in Amarillo, and I can go to a house, and I can knock on the door, and I can walk in there, and I will find 12 to 15 kids in there, anywhere ranging from about 2 to about 14 years of age, and there is nobody around. And they're like that day after day. I'm aware that we can't solve the big picture but we can make a difference in what's in front of us. And that's the way we have to look at it. One heart at a time. One child at a time. And there's actually a couple of verses in Psalms 
that really kind of speak to this. Psalm 68.5 says this, God, God is a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows. He's God in his holy habitation. What does this verse tell me? This verse tells me that even if you came out of an, out of an imperfect situation, God is a God to the fatherless. I wasn't raised in a perfect family. And Brenda Crump knows that. My family was anything but perfect and godly. But I was saved by the fact that God is a God to the fatherless. See, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. All you got to do is cry out to God. And even if it was never there for you, it can be there for your children. Because if you go to God, God will give it to you. And there's another verse that even speaks a little bit closer to the heart of the matter. It's out of Psalm 27.10. It says this, For my father and my mother have forsaken me. My father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. You know what that that tells me? Hey, even if mom and dad punch out, God won't punch out on me. Those are awesome promises. And those are promises that we need to hear, especially if you grew up in a situation or you're in a situation where there's no godly influence. Because what that means is, is God's created a cheat to be able to bypass that and get you back on the right path. And what is that cheat? It's not a cheat at all. It's called having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about just mouthing a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'm talking about having a relationship with Jesus Christ where we don't look at him as this this thing that floats up in the clouds but we look at him as a person, that we go to him, that we speak to him, that we ask him, and that we trust and obey what it is that he tells us. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And I'm going to be preaching out of the Amplified Version today. And it's going to sound, when you open up your Bibles and you go to that passage, you're going to go, ah, what in the world? The Amplified Version is just a real quick description of the Amplified Version. All it is... When, when the people wrote the scriptures down in the original languages, the original languages were a lot more detailed. Okay, When the author of Hebrews wrote this down in Greek, the Greeks have a really superb talent of taking everything and being able to put it into one phrase. When it gets translated into English, we don't do such a great job. We kind of miss everything that the people actually tried to put in there. And it's because of our language. And I know, we know we're Americans. We've got the greatest language in the world. But I hate to tell you this. The the Greek and the Hebrews, man, they were able to get a lot of thought into one word. So all the Amplified Version is then is that it it takes that that language and it puts all the English in there. And when you do, it kind of lengthens things out a little bit. So that's all it is. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 says this. Have you completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement in which you were reasoned with and addressed as sons? 
My son, do not think lightly or scorn to submit to the correction and discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage and give up and faint when you are reproved or corrected by Him. Now, there's a lot of good things in this passage. The very first part of it, have you forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement in which you were reasoned with and addressed as sons? Now, we've got to stop and we've got to look at that divine word for just a second. Can anybody tell me what the divine word is? Bible? Good. We're moving. We got, we got somebody talking to me. Who else is it? Who does the divine word? God's word. Oh, somebody said it. Jesus Christ. Thank you, Pastor David. Jesus Christ, right? Because why? John 1 1 says what? In the beginning was the word, right? Super. Who is that? Jesus. Great. Awesome, good deal. So you get two things there. Not only is Jesus the Word, but the Word is alive, right? So you look here, and then the very first part of this phrase is, have you completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encourage in which you were reasoned with and addressed as sons? So basically then, what is that phrase saying? Have you completely forgotten what Christ has told you and showed you and reasoned with you? How do you reason with somebody? If you're going to reason with somebody, what are you doing? You're talking to him, aren't you? You're communicating, right? If I'm going to try to reason with Daniel, what am I going to do? Am I just going to stare at him? That ain't going to get me anywhere. What do I got to do to him? I got to talk to him, right? And that's what the author of Hebrews is asking. Have you completely forgotten what Christ has tried to reason with you? How he tried to appeal to you? Have you forgotten everything that you've been taught, in other words? My son, do not think lightly or scorn to to submit to correction and discipline of the Lord. Oh, what does that submit word mean? Huh? Surrender. Do not think lightly or scorn to submit to the correction and discipline of the Lord. In other words, folks, don't get all twisted out of shape when God is trying to point you in a direction. Now, we can understand this as parents because our little chillins, they don't always do what they're supposed to do, do they? And so what do you have to do with them? We have to point them. We have to guide them. We have to direct them. And then sometimes in doing that, what do we have to do? Yeah. And folks, if you start to think that that is not godly, you best go back and you best reread the book of Proverbs. Because all through Proverbs in multiple places is the same thing over and over again. And it talks about disciplining your children. And it talks about disciplining your children with a rod. Now, God doesn't use a rod. He typically uses a 2 by 4 or a 4 by 8 or whatever it takes. But there's always a reason and a purpose behind it. And then the other thing is, it says, do not lose courage or give up and faint when you're approved, reproved, or corrected by him. 
Why does he do this? Why does he discipline us? Well, if you jump down a few verses, because the verses in between 5 and, and up to verse 10, they're kind of talking about discipline in detail. But if you get down there, verse 10 and verse 11, then you see why God does it. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short period of time and chastised us as it seemed proper and good to them. But he disciplines us for our certain good, that we may become sharers in his holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Trained. A harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness and conformity to God's will and purpose, his thought, action, and it results in right living and right standing with God. So why does he do it? Come on. The goal, the goal is our certain good. God does it for our benefit that we may grow in him and become better. And what, is, what should be our goal for our children? Should it not be the same thing? That they grow for their, that it be for their good that they may grow and become better. That's why God disciplines us. And not only that, but it yields, as He disciplines us, it yields strength. It yields peace, it yields righteousness, and it yields conformity to God's will. Now, why is that important? Well, I don't know. God is the creator. This is his world. We are his people. Yeah, I think conformity to his will is probably a good thing. He did make us. But not only does it bring conformity to his will, but it brings conformity to his purpose. How many folks are wandering around today trying to figure out why it is that they're here and what it is that they're supposed to be doing? Well, gee, if you stop and you ask God, he might tell you, since he did make you. But it also brings conformity to his thoughts, his actions. And what does this result in? Right living and right standing. Folks, you want to know how to make a difference in today's world? Get your heart right with God. The story of the little boy and the starfishes, you've probably heard this before, and I've probably said it here before. There was a, a boy who was walking along the beach, 
And as it, the beach was full of starfishes, as far as the eye could see, there was nothing but starfishes. This little boy was out there with the sand pail, and he'd walk along, and he'd pick up a starfish, and he'd fill up his pail. When the pail was full, he'd walk over to the water, he'd dump all the starfish in the water. Well, this gentleman walked up, and he saw the little boy, and he watched the little boy for a while, and then he finally asked the little boy, hey, what is it that you're doing? The little boy tells him, and he says, I'm saving the starfish. And the guy stops, and he looks, and as far as the eye can see, there's starfish. And he said, do you not understand that there is nothing in the world that you could do to save these starfish? You will never, ever make a difference in the lives of these starfish. Now the little boy reaches down, he picks up a starfish, and he walks over to the water, and he throws it in the water. Then he turns around to the guy, and he says, it made a difference for that one. And he kept going. I want you to hear me, and I want you to understand what it is that I'm saying. Quit looking at the big picture and focus in on what's right in front of your nose. And it starts with your relationship with God. Quit bucking and screaming at what God is trying to teach you. Accept it. Let him change you. Let him make you what you're supposed to be. And pass it on to your children. Because your influence starts with your children. And you can make a difference. And don't go all panicking and saying, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Of course you don't know what to do, but go to God. Because He does. And He will tell you what to do. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you for challenging us. And thank you for being who you are that we can come to you. And Father, it would be my prayer today that we as parents and grandparents that we would get our hearts right with you so that we can be better parents to our children. Spark us, Father, to do the right thing. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for being here. Y'all have a good day.